serious shit. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is paying 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! All the things you got made fun of for in high school. So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. That's right. It is uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever you listen to this again. I don't know. I'm going to stop dating, date stamping them. Uh, but anyway, it's an all new episode of Talk Nerdy to Me. In the middle of this seasonable cold snap, um, I, I, I guess you guys got snow. I did not get snow. I'm okay with that. Yeah, well, we got, we got, we got like all snow. Yeah, we got like okay. dandruff. We didn't really get snow. All right. Well, we got nothing, and I'm a, I'm a little okay with that. I've I've had enough snow for one lifetime. But uh, uh, there was going to be a transition about we're going to warm stuff up. I'm not even going to try it. Uh, all new episode of Talk Nerd to me. First thing I want to get out of the way, we got to get our uh, real quick house cleaning uh, this Saturday. Unless you're listening to it on Saturday, then it's today. I don't know the the 25th of. January, historic downtown Bowling Green, Kentucky, National Corvette Museum. From 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. So if you're listening to this before then, there's still time to get uh, to historic downtown Bowling Green. It's exit 28 off the interstate. It's not off I-65. It's it's close by. Vet City Con, fourth year in a row. We'll be doing a live show from the show floor. We will be uh, on the main stage. Uh, we're going to have some uh, some swag giveaways. We're going to have uh, a whole bunch of stuff uh, going on. We're going to have a big, major, I can't stress this enough, earth-shattering show announcement to make on the live show Saturday. Uh, I know what you're probably thinking. You see people and and. Uh, Pages uh, do this all the time where they say, I've got something big in the works. I just can't talk about it now, which is one of the things I hate the most. Uh, mm-hmm. That's like the dumbest thing. Uh, I absolutely hate when uh, when people and products do that. Just tell me what it is. But it involves Maury and an envelope. <laughs> oh, shit. The You're p- not bringing back Pepsi Blue. We don't give oh, a shit. Man, I would just I, – I would – I would give uh, pee pants Gritton's left nut uh, to have crystal clear Pepsi back, like full. He's time. only got the one nut. I know. Uh, you know, it's a sacrifice he's got to make to the crystal clear Pepsi gods. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would do it. I would sacrifice his one remaining testicle for full time crystal clear Pepsi back. That's all. Uh, that's what I would say. Uh, I would give that up because that's how much I want it back. But uh, I can safely say. That the uh, the show will never ever uh, if I had the Jericho soundbite I would use it but will never ever be the same again after our amazing crazy huge announcement on Saturday as part of the live show so tune in listen while we are or just better yet be there live on the show floor at Vet City Con 
in historic downtown Bowling Green on Saturday. What a crazy time. It's going to be great. Butch Patrick, Eddie Munster, is going to be there. He's going to give us back the $10 that he owes us one way or the other. Um, we're gonna. We're gonna I, I will fight him. Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, he's he's coming on the uh, the radio show on Friday, and Tony's like, I'm gonna punch him in the face. Like he's already like Butch Patrick's gonna be here Friday. I'm probably gonna hit him, and I'm like, oh shit. Like I gotta play, play peacemaker between, because um, apparently he got sucked into some like Tahiti Village timeshare speech. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know all the details, um, but uh, I think that's also part of the Munsters Mobile Escape Room. Is like if you don't get out in the thirty minutes, you have to buy. You uh, have yes, to on the timeshare. Yeah, you got to listen to the timeshare thing, and they don't give you the golf clubs. So uh, it's just a waste of time. You got to read the fine print, kids. <laughs> you got to. Don't fall for the Eddie Munster um, Tahiti Village timeshare scam. It's not worth it. Don't fall for the Eddie Munster anything. Yeah, don't. <laughs> Eddie Munster. Hey, nothing. Hey. Away from anything related to Eddie Munster. Yeah, he's like, you want to play hide the salami? Say no. Say, you want to see well, what's under the stairs? No. <laughs> it's a finger in your butthole. No, I'm going to spoil it for you. That's what it is. That's what it is. But we're uh, we're not here to spend all show talking about... The future. We hate Eddie Munster. No, no. Uh, we're, we're not here to talk about the future and things upcoming because, you know, we're not about that. We're all about living in the past. And, uh, you know, we've uh, we've listed, you know, our uh, favorite stuff from last year. And that wasn't back far enough. Yeah, we're going even further now. We got to go further back. We got to go further back uh, to kill baby Hitler. And then, beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. So we're going to. Uh, no, the question is if yeah. it's baby Hitler and you're going to kill it, yeah. do you draw the mustache on first? Oh, absolutely. Uh, but here's what I do is uh, I, first of all, before I do it, I dip my balls in black paint <laughs> and then teabag baby Hitler and then kill him. <laughs> Insult to injury. I have to. I feel like I have to add the hashtag "not a pedophile" to this episode now, because I just got done talking about putting my genitals on a baby. So, um, so anyway, <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Oh yes, please. So yeah, uh, like Captain Chris said, last last week we talked about our favorite stuff from last year. Now we're going further. We're going to look back at the entirety of the decade that was the twenty tens. I yeah, because it was to call it, right? Not the 20 aughts. <clears throat> 2010 to 2019, the decade we just closed out. Um, we're going to look at the coolest, best, favorite stuff from that decade. Um, just because we can. And it's our show. Yeah. I mean, why not? So, yeah. Screw you guys. We're going home. Um We've got a bunch of, uh, well, I mean, we've got some usual suspect topics. We've got some fun topics, some random stuff, too. Um, I'm definitely throwing a curveball in a couple of these uh, topics, but where oh, uh, shit. where do you want to start, Koron? Koron. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's, let's just do wrestling first. I feel like that's going to be the quick one. <laughs> that one, yeah, that one the fuck pretty. didn't see that? Honestly, I, feel, I picked that because I think it's going to be the quickest one. Hey, guys, prediction under best game of the decade. Koran's going to have something Nintendo-related. 
Actually, I'm not. Oh, shit. Bullshit. Oh, here we go. All right. Rest really don't. Uh, Someone go really, check really, that, really man. Don't. That's not a car run. It's a pod person. It's a thing. Oh, man. No, Diabetes and no, human. Because when I say it, you're going you're gonna to be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay. uh, so from 2010, from January 1, 2010, until December 31, 2019, that is the, uh, the parameter that you must stick within. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, wrestling moments. The best wrestling moment of the last 10 years. Who wants to go first? Well, mine's not so much a moment as it is kind of a watershed like movement. Uh, um, it's a bowel movement. Uh, um, 2016, we ditched uh, a gimmick that was long past its expiration date. Um, the WWE Divas disappeared, uh, and we had what's now called the Women's Evolution, uh, where the entire women's division of WWE ditched all the bullshit gimmicks and got real. Uh, I mean, it had been building steam before 2016, but 2016 was literally when it all finally caught up to it. Um, I think it's been the greatest thing in wrestling, uh, and I say that as a guy who's been watching wrestling on and off for almost three years now. Um, so of course i know more than you do um no i don't uh but for me as a casual fan one of the most entertaining things uh to watch in wrestling has really been the amazing talents and the the seeing the women's division finally treated like an actual division of wwe and not a bullshit gimmick uh, the divas belt with the pink butterfly and all oh, that God. shit is gone and tragic. yeah uh bra and panty matches and shit like that is like, you know, we're, we're done, you know, uh, I disagree with about that. We're going to treat these <laughs> wrestlers like they're wrestlers, not like they're objects. Cause you know, there's a big difference. Okay. Here. Can I just ask you one question? Yeah. yeah. Would your life be better? Uh, if you got to see Bailey in a bra and panties match, I plead the fifth. Uh, <laughs> a stupid fucking question. I just wanted to uh, ask. I just wanted to ask that to play devil's advocate on that one particular thing because everything else I agree with you on with that, but that just that one thing just kind of sticks in my craw just a little bit. So would her panties, anyway. Uh, so, but uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb and say this uh, for people who have watched me watch wrestling. Uh, I really hate wrestlers that are basically just you know. A person who's maybe talented but is saddled with a stupid gimmick. And for years, one of the most talented wrestlers in that stable was saddled with the dumbest gimmick ever. I'm talking about the transformation of Becky Lynch from the steampunk girl to the man. And without the women's evolution, you wouldn't have got that. They did their best to bury her in a three-month feud with Lacey Evans last year, but... Uh, yeah. The the evolution of Becky Lynch from, was it SummerSlam 2018 through all of 2019 has been amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, since John was talking about 2016, I, I guess I'm going to go ahead and chime in here. As much as I really loved the, the whole Kofi thing from Mania last year, uh, probably my favorite moment of the two that. Of the 2010s is um, every 
everyone's like he was always that dude that like everyone wanted to show up. He was always that guy. He was always like Mr. TNA and all that bullshit. But then like they went with the worst camera angle possible. But yeah. when AJ Styles finally showed up in WWE, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, it was. Because I, I can't believe they panned on a confused Roman Reigns <laughs> for the very first time that the phrase "I am phenomenal" popped up on the screen. Because, like, you know, it was music I didn't get. It was music I didn't know. But it's like Reigns is sitting there, and I'm like, "Is this someone from NXT I've never heard of?" And then, like, well, as soon as I heard the crowd erupt, I was like, "That's got to be AJ. Yeah. Like, that has to be AJ." Kevin Dunn um, screwed that one up. A shocker. <laughs> Bucktooth. And, like, the, the crazy thing is I, I'm having a hard time thinking of, like, a time in the past almost four years where AJ's been on TV and I've been like, well, this seems like the opportune time to change the channel. He even made Shane McMahon put on, like, the best match at WrestleMania 33. Right. I know that's not saying much because it was WrestleMania 33. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, AJ Styles is Omega. I'll say this right now. I think AJ Styles is the best professional wrestler on planet Earth. Yeah. You're not going to get an argument from me. Uh, even though I've been in a shouting match with AJ Styles, um, <laughs> after that, that that guy poked me in the chest, I'm still a fan. Yeah. Very nice guy, despite the that probably hurts. It did too. Yeah, he, poking me in the chest like he thinks he knows me. Oh well, love it. Yeah, no, uh, terrible camera work aside. Great pick. Great. Thank pick. you. You want me to go next? Yeah. All right. Uh, I've got uh, – everybody knows what my moment's going to be. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever. We're going to take you back to uh, July 17th, 2011, um, because uh, the only thing that I can say about it uh, – We're going to do it my way. Is, is CM Punk taking the WWE title and leaving? Uh, you know, we've, we've discussed it at length before, and it's one of, if not my all-time favorite match. Yeah, uh, um, fantastic match, amazing. Uh, the, the, the build, the story build behind that match is, is I still feel to this day, has, has not been matched since. Um, just the amazing storyline drama behind it. Uh, the execution afterwards left a lot to be desired, but that moment, holy crap. Uh, just a, just unbelievable. Um, the, I, I would say the only two matches that have carried that much weight in the past, in the eight years that we're talking about since then were, uh, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. Yep. And Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 35. Yeah. I mean, just the the fact that, uh, you know, it took place in Chicago, um, just just ridiculous, just un, unbelievable. 
and then of course we have to we we need to add Kevin Nash to the mix to uh, completely ruin it. Um, but for at least one day, for at least one moment, it was a near perfect story. Belinda, we have you. Hello. There he hey. is. There he is. What's up? God damn, I've been smashing stuff left and right. I don't. I'm surprised anything works now. So. Uh, <laughs> so I only caught like half of what you guys were saying because I was like rebooting and restarting and connecting and cursing uh, and shooting right. shit. Yeah. But, uh, so best wrestling moments so far. John talked women's evolution. I said AJ's debut at the Rumble, and Flanagan said um, Punk leaving WWE with the world title. all of you I, I would have to concur especially on the i was going to talk about becky lynch but i'm glad because i'm such a fucking uh mark for triple h and a mark for nxt just the nxt debut on like february 23rd of 2010 like that's really been the thing i've watched more consistently than anything um i'm more interested in it it's my favorite show i like it better than raw smackdown put together typically i like the takeovers better than the actual like main card events other than the Royal Rumble. Um, but Survivor Series was fucking awesome because of NXT this year. And I don't know. I just love watching, uh, you know, some of these indie guys or um, some of the guys from the Performance Center come up and make names for themselves and, you know, just go out there and outshine these clowns that have been doing it for years. So uh, guys like Johnny Gargano and uh, Tomosa Ciampa and Keith Lee and fucking the Undisputed Era, like they're my favorite wrestlers. I, I really don't give a shit about the main card anymore. Uh, I just love watching those guys, and uh, I want to smell Rhea Ripley's asshole oh, after God. a match. Oh, God. Um, yeah, just anything with NXT, I'm in. I'm so, I, it could literally be Tony Storm and, like, Io Shirai, like, finger painting, and I would watch it. So I'm in to watch that. I'm yeah. in. I was really hoping <laughs> yeah. Julian would bring up NXT. That's why I didn't put it on my list. But, uh, yeah, NXT has been fantastic. Uh, and I thank Julian for, for steering me in that direction. Uh, you guys know one of my favorite wrestlers, uh, Finn Balor, got his start at NXT and has gone home to NXT. Like NXT has been awesome to watch. Uh, too often the main shows get too wrapped up in the production, and, and it's not so much about the wrestling. Uh, NXT is always about the wrestling. If we were going to make a – if we were going to do a top ten list of – Best wrestling matches from WWE of the decade. Um, I, I venture to guess eight of them or nine would be <laughs> NXT matches. It'd be uh, oh, absolutely, go, and it could be you could pick five yeah, from the back. last three years. So, and the other two would involve people who came up from NXT. So, the the only one that yeah. probably wouldn't be on that list that involved the only one that wouldn't involve anyone from NXT would be Punk and Cena from Money in the Bank 2001. Pretty much, yeah. Um, but seriously, go back and watch specifically it's takeover Dallas from 2016 and it's Shinsuke's debut and it's him versus Sami Zayn. And they actually got in a shit ton of trouble for that match because it got back to triple H and Vince that they didn't rehearse. (laughs) So they went out there and put on this, like somewhere in the 20 to 25 minute range match. And I mean, it, it was easily probably the best match of that year. Um, yeah, just Shinsuke Nakamura, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, Bobby O'Reilly, 
Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, like the, the list of Roddy. dudes that have been or are in. Yeah, Roddy Strong. The the list of people, not just men, but like Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Bailey, Tony Storm, Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley. Like, I mean, the talent pool that is in or has been in NXT is insane. And I'm finally stoked because they're finally giving my dude, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, on the independent scene. He was known as Shane Strickland. They're finally giving him some, like, uh, they're shining some light on him, and it's awesome to see these dudes you never thought you'd see in WWE show up and action. Yeah, and NXT holds a special place in my heart because that's really what got me back into wrestling. Like, we went up there for Vet City Con, like, the first year, second year I went, something like that, and we were hanging out at uh, Captain Chris's place, and we were just watching, I think it was Shinsuke and uh, Bobby Roode, and just yeah. the entrances were like the glorious entrance. It's still my favorite wrestling theme of all time. Um, and just watching Bobby Roode come in with a chorus and then Shinsuke coming in, just rocking out. Like they put on a fantastic match. The The whole atmosphere was fantastic. The crowd is always way more enthused. It's just to me, you just, you cannot get any better than NXT. I mean, I know people like new Japan and all that other shit. And like AEW is okay, but AEW is a botch fest compared to NXT. Like, it just it blows everybody else out of the water. Speaking of, AEW is actually on the water this week. What is it? Like, they're legit. They on a pond they're, they're on the Jericho. Yeah. No, they're, they're on Jericho's cruise. Like, how much shows from. Yeah. Like a pontoon death match or something. They're recreating an opening of the action scene from Waterfall. <laughs> Yeah. Joey Janela exploding face. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was the best. Let's hit the worst. John? Oh, I didn't do worse. I thought we were just doing our favorite moments. Oh, oh I, I have a worse one. <laughs> okay. Worst moment still. Whoever decided to put the goddamn red lights on the fiend <clears throat> the entire fucking match. I still have a headache, damn it. Yeah, oh. I, was, I was going to piggyback into that. It's still like. The, the ending to the Rollins-Fiend match is still the absolute worst thing I've ever seen. It's just... You are just so fucking stupid. Talking about this uh, with, with a guy at work, the cell is painted red. It was red lights. Can you imagine being in that live crowd trying to see a, a damn thing that was happening? I don't know how they wrestled. <laughs> Could you imagine I if you were colorblind? Uh, I, yeah. Would you have had a stroke? <laughs> what the fuck happened? <laughs> Um, I guess they said that uh, someone, it wasn't, oh, it was Daniel Bryan after Survivor Series. Uh, or no, was that? I don't know. Bryan said he hated wrestling in the red lights. He said it was awful and annoying. Um, but for worst moments, uh, I said we were going to come back to WrestleMania 33. Uh, probably, you know, there there have been a few times lately and uh, a few matches that have been like, I need to hang it up looking at you, Undertaker Goldberg. Yeah. But, the one where I was, but the one where I was really just like, he needs to go, was the show-closing match at WrestleMania 33 between Roman Reigns and The Undertaker. It was so painful. When Taker couldn't even lift him up for, uh, like, when Taker almost fell over trying to give him the tombstone, 
when Taker couldn't jump up to be powerbombed by Reigns, like, as a dude who, like, unabashedly loves The Undertaker, it was so hard to, like, watch that. Uh, and, you know, of course, they... What? Legitimately worse than his comeback against John Cena, where they played it up so much, you know, Cena sitting in the crowd drinking beer with all the peasants, and then he's, like, botching every fucking move, like, falling down for the kick to the face, like, six feet before Undertaker even raises his fucking leg up. Uh, yeah, like, the Undertaker, the, the WrestleMania 33 match is probably, like, it was so bad, I'm assuming that's why Undertaker didn't just call it quits, was he was just like, I can't go out on something that terrible. And it was painful. Uh, yeah, if you have the network, go back and watch it, because, man, it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's bad. Ian, you got anything? Uh, I have... Uh, mine is uh, the the worst decision in the last 10 years, I think, by far. Uh, and that decision is uh, to take international bookings in the uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, just in general, this idea of crown jewel, greatest, like all these, all the, 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 the greatest, like all that shit. Like, I, I don't want anything to do with these Saudi Arabia shows at all. I think they're a bad idea. Uh, Vince McMahon better check his cell phone to make sure it hasn't been hacked like uh, Jeff Bezos. That's a timely <laughs> news-related uh, reference right there um, because there is nothing good that is going to come from dealing with the Saudis, as we saw a little bit um, with the uh, the suspicious travel issues last time. I think that's only going to get worse, and it's just it's a bad idea. I think it's I think it's a on on many levels and not just from a professional wrestling story whatever front I think just overall that whole idea is very very bad yeah and I think it's not going to end well for at least a few people I just don't know like you're going to have, because, you know, like, Cena, Daniel Bryan, uh, Kevin Owens refuses to work on because they won't let Sami Zayn in the country. I think you're going to see a lot more people refusing to go. I hope so, because I think they're they're not safe, and it's it, it, they're not worthwhile shows, as, as seen by Goldberg Undertaker. Um, it's not good quality programming. It's not worth doing except for the fact that they're getting paid a ton of money. That's literally the only reason why. And I don't think that's a good reason to go and put people in legitimate jeopardy to go over there. I definitely agree. 
I just think, yeah, bad all the way around. All right, then. That's all. Moving along. No, you're right. It's, uh, it's sad. All around. Just, uh, any other, everyone's worst? I mean, yeah, I just, about the Saudi thing, like, I, I don't know, like, I I definitely see the bad in it, and it it was kind of sketchy with them not being able to get the flights back, um, and Vince just rolling around, like, throwing money in the air because he was back home being a dickhead, but, uh, I do think they are breaking down some barriers, like the Lacey Evans, uh, Natalia match. Like, while it wasn't great, I mean, it was kind of cool to see in, like, a douchebag-centered part of the world that two pretty hot chicks got to beat the shit out of each other and slam each other in the ground and actually have a wrestling match. Yeah, they were in potato sacks, and they'll never be allowed to wear, like, their regular outfits. But, I mean, the chicks? I don't fucking know. I mean, that's about the only good thing I can say about it. Than that, like, but you said all the matches have been kind of hastily put together, and I mean, I guess the Rusev Undertaker one was kind of cool because of all the drama behind it. But other than that, yeah, it's all bullshit. They're all I watch them at work because if I got nothing else to do, but I don't, I don't really give a shit. I mean, if they're going to be on during my workday, I'll turn my phone to it. But it, you know. If they ever decided to air one of those at, like, noon on a Saturday, I'd be like, well, I have literally anything else to do with my time. Yep. All right. Johnny Boy, what's next? So, (laughs) I think this will actually be a quick topic. We're going to do from uh, the redneckiest of redneck sports. She's something a little more highbrow, a little more classy. It's uh, it's good or literature on. Uh, favorite comic book of the decade, uh, or book, novel, whatever thing you had to read uh, in 2010 to 2019. Um, I'm gonna jump off first. <clears throat> you guys know I love Thor, uh, and and my boy Thor had a very tumultuous decade. Uh, lost his hammer. His girlfriend took it uh, for a solid uh, three to five years. Thor was a lady. Uh, however, <clears throat> what I loved about Thor, <clears throat> one name, Jason Aaron, from 2012 till literally the last month of 2019 with uh, issue four of King Thor, Jason Aaron was the guy steering the ship of everything Thor. And as much as I may not have understood what he was doing at the time, uh, and as frustrated as I may have been with some of the decisions they made, he had a plan and he was allowed to execute it, which is something you rarely get to see in comic books. Uh, This guy took seven years to tell one giant, epic fucking Thor story. Uh, And he, he deconstructed and reinvented the character. He redefined what it means to be worthy uh, the entire run by Jason Aaron. Again, even though it zigs when I think it should have zagged and did some things that I was like, what are you doing? You got to finish. You got to let him finish. 
because uh, it was unexpected. Uh, he, he gave me things I didn't expect to see in a Thor comic. Uh, and then at the same time, gave me all the things I love about Thor in the first place. Uh, it was a perfect balance of defying expectations and then also meeting expectations. Uh, so that entire run, well worth a read. Uh, like I said, he just wrapped up in, uh, I think it was January of 2019 is when issue four of King Thor came out and ended his run on the character. Uh, but it was fantastic. Every bit of it, uh, the ups, the downs, the huh? Uh, and the fuck yeah, fist bump moments, uh, all worth it. Thank you, Mr. Jason Aaron, because I know he listens to the show. Doesn't. Probably, yeah, he probably yeah. does. He might have been the, Who? one of those jail mails that we got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite kind. Con- and, and, and it just so happened to be that that the entire decade, so. That was a nice fit. That is. That's a good pick. Um, I'll throw mine out there. Um, I never thought that uh, in, you know, 2017, 2018, uh, that I would be singing the praises of a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic book. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boom Studios... um, released a that is is now almost to 50 issues which i never thought i would see a really good power rangers comic last just about 50 issues so far continues to go uh that creates new characters that are now uh kind of like how uh batman the animated series created harley quinn that became like this you know staple now in the universe uh, the Boom Studios comic book has done that and has created characters that are now uh, just as recognized in continuity as, you know, characters from the show. W- amazingly well written. Um, it's just it's such a great comic book, kind of by surprise. Um, it's. You know, I I, uh, I was up and down on The Walking Dead. I was up and down on Green Lantern. There was, you know, one Spider-Man comic that I Spider-Man comic that I really liked. Um, <laughs> the uh, the WWE comic is fun, but it's also like it's it is what it is. Uh, this Power Rangers comic is ridiculously good, and it's aimed at. Me, like it's aimed at people like me who grew up with Power Rangers, but want a more sophisticated isn't the right word, but a like stories not necessarily aimed at kids like the television show is um, stories that have kind of aged with the fans. So uh, yeah, I I, I I don't have a single bad thing to say about it. It's incredible. It's been impressive to me how well they've uh, woven their own story in and out of the canon of Power Rangers. Uh, They've taken events from the show that are big events. Like they just recently did uh, um, Tommy becoming the White Power Ranger. Yeah. uh, And and recontextualize them and expand on those. To take things we know and give us like here's some more story you didn't know, so it kind of is and like you know, it, it's it's not the show. It's like you said, it's its own continuity, uh, and that's been really awesome to see, especially stuff like uh, you know when uh, Jason Trini and Zach disappear and leave for the um, 
the, the youth peace yeah, festival, yeah, whatever it's called. Peace, peace conference. <laughs> well, in, in, in the current storyline now, you learn where they really were and what they were really doing. Uh, it, it's, you can tell it's done by someone who's a huge Power Rangers fan uh, and someone who, like us, really wanted to see that mythology given, like, proper credence, like, you know, taken seriously. It's been really fun. Yeah, it's uh, and yeah, it's so good. That delight to both of us doesn't revolve around Tommy Oliver. Yeah, like, the initial beginning, there's a lot of Tommy, and mm-hmm. then it really levels out, and it gives... Characters that were secondary characters or really one-dimensional characters on the TV show, it it really fleshes them out and really um, gives them three dimensions and really good story arcs. And, yeah, Yeah. it's not just the Tommy show. Even Bulk and Skull. Yeah. Like, it it remembers there's more than one character. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's it's just so good. Every month, it's it's so good. Yeah, I agree. It's fantastic. And it's pretty much all out in trade form, so if you're yeah. late to the game, easy to pick up and follow. Yeah, get to Shattered Grid. Like, <sighs> just amazing. Like, I'm actually enjoying uh, Necessary Evil. Yeah. Man, it's Mostly good. Mostly because it's, it's them playing with their own timeline now, <laughs> which is fun. Good pick. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I went with an actual book. Name. Uh, I've kind of, I've really fallen off the the comic bandwagon. Um, and you've heard me talk about it before. It's actually not a John Dies series book. Uh, Flanagan, I think you'll be on this choice. Pen Pal. Ah, uh, an hour back. Yes, uh, we've still the one of, of that book forever. One of the most unsettling things uh, I've probably ever read. Uh, second place, Flanagan, I think you'll also back me up on this. I'm going to say uh, Universal Harvester. Ooh, yeah. A fun and weird, <laughs> but good. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Um, Pen Pal just, it's uncomfortable to read. And not in, like... Not in the way that, like, and this is going to sound like a weird comparison, not in the way, like, when you're watching a movie and, you know, a rape scene comes on, like, not that kind of uncomfortable. It's like this really awkward, like, unsettling makes your skin crawl because it's, like, everything happening to this guy, you piece together way before he does. (laughs) Oh. Not uncomfortable. The hospital. I haven't read it yet. Like, Honestly, you started talking about it, and I bought it, and I still just haven't read it yet. I'm just being a bitch. I think it actually, I think it really did, and it's really short. It's only like 252 pages. And it's basically broken up. Oh, yeah, it's on my like, list. I just. Yeah. It's only broken, it's broken up in like five sections. So, a 50 page section, and just kind of. That would be my best. It's good. Nice. Julian, what you got? Who chose a book? Uh, I was kind of telling John about this Yay. the other night. Um, it's called uh, The Undying Mercenary Series by D.V. Larson. So basically the premise is, is this fucking uh, hillbilly from Georgia uh, gets kicked out of school, 
his parents are dirt poor. Um, he doesn't know what to do with his life. So he joins the military like the rest of us have done over the years. And, uh, Basically, the way it is in the future is there's this galactic empire that controls the entire known universe. There's core systems, and then Earth is kind of like an outlying uh, backwater universe, and it's comprised of uh, all these mercenary groups that um, they're all legionaries. They all go out, and basically what Earth brings to the universe is is that we provide, send them out, and they become mercenaries. They go out and fight giant lizards and fucking giant squids and all kinds of just crazy ass shit. But it's, it, there's really interesting uh, novels because it all takes on, you know, <clears throat> the ideas of like heroism and uh, the kind of shit that you would do if you knew that you could be regenerated, because that's the one thing that um, the aliens gave to us was this regenerative uh, technology to where if you die, your not your soul, but your memories and your body basically is recorded and then it'll spit out a carbon copy. So, um, it plays with the idea of, are you a clone? Are you the same person? Is it just somebody with the same memories? Is it what happens if there's two of the same people going around at the same time? So it's very like time cop. And uh, what was the one movie with uh, uh, the magician movie with fucking Christian Bale and the Prestige. Wolverine? Yeah, there you go. So you never really know like who's the real guy or not, but it, it plays with that idea a lot. But then it's really kind of cool and easy to read sci-fi too, where it's, there's a lot of uh, blood sex and cursing. So it's cool. It's fun. It's quick reads. Each book's like 307 pages. I think there's 13 of them total now. Um, I really identify with the main character because he's, he's a big redneck who gets a lot of pussy and gets to kill a lot of people. So that's like my favorite thing to read about. So a man after your own heart. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So uh, uh, if you ever get a chance to check it out, like the first one's called Steel World, and each one is based on, like there's Dust World, Tech World. Uh, everyone's based on a different world because it's basically humans going out and exploring the galaxy. So it's really, it's quick, fun, easy read. Um, they're not too in-depth, but it does bring up some interesting questions about, you know, cloning and life and bullshit like that. Fair enough. Actually, sounds pretty rad. Yeah, they're cool, man. I like them a lot. I've read the first three, I think. I'm working on the fourth one. So, they're good. Right, anyone got any worsts? <clears throat> um, yeah, I'll be quick. Uh, whoever fucking decided, I don't know who it was, it was Scott Snyder, uh, to put James Gordon in a giant <laughs> robot bunny suit yes. and call him Batman. Uh, literally, I canceled my Batman subscription with that storyline. I was like, this is just, like, it, it was, if you ever seen the robot chicken sketch when, uh, Darth Vader says, Luke, I am your father. He's like, that's highly improbable. And they start like throwing out random facts and they cut back to Vader and goes, you know, the force, that's just metachlorians in your blood. And Luke stands up and goes, you know, if you're not going to take this seriously, I'm just going to leave. And Luke walks off. That was my, basically my reaction to this entire storyline in, in Batman. Uh, the Court of Owls storyline, which was Snyder's first, was fantastic. It's an amazing storyline. I was so hyped. I was like, wow, this is great. I can't wait to see what this author does next. And then every story he did after that was progressively dumber. Um, to the point where in 2015, Batman, as we knew it, was dead. James Gordon, who even in-universe is in the 60s, suddenly gets abs and uh, uh, starts fighting crime in a robot bat suit uh, for the police department as the, the new Batman. And I was like, you know, if you're not going to take this seriously, I'm just going to. 
I canceled my subscription. So that storyline was stupid. I know a lot of people love Scott Snyder, but uh, other than Court of Owls, I think all his Batman stuff is garbage, including Dark Knight's Metal, Fight Me. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Every time I hear you, every time I hear you bitch about it, I just laugh because I think it's the funniest shit ever. Gordon in a fucking bunny suit. <laughs> it's just it cracks me up, man. I I love it that you hate it so much. And every time we talk about, it, I look it up and I I look at the picture and I fucking laugh because it's like, so fucking stupid, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not any. I mean, in in the. I don't know, in the long history of comic books, it's not the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but it's it's up there. I would rather watch Batman fight aliens on Pluto in a zebra-striped bat suit, that really happened, look it up, uh, than fucking Gordon bat suit. <clears throat> That's just me. Oh, it was Marvel's not Pluto, I don't remember. The 60s were weird. <clears throat> but yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I could dig through and come up with some dumb bull. That one's the first one that sprang to mind. No, it's pretty dumb. Like, that's pretty bad. I just don't get the big fucking ears on that thing. Like, the rest of it looks exactly. kind of cool. It looks like fucking Iron Man. Yeah. And then you got the big fucking... Yeah. I guess they're like sonar probes or something. I don't fuck. It's almost Eagle as bad as... Uh, what was his name? Uh, Azrael, when he took over when Bane broke Batman's back. <laughs> that's who he had, you know, like... Fuck, yeah. Gauntlets, and he would shoot out batarangs, and it had lasers out of his chest or something. I don't Spikes and blades everywhere. His cape was made of blades somehow because 90s. Yeah, he was trying to look like Yeah, yeah it was like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, was just, it was full metal Batman, and I fucking loved it. But, yeah, big-eared Gordon's fucking kind of gay. I'll, get, I'll give you that. Funnier than hell, though. God, I. Well, all right. How much would it cost for you to get a tattoo of that fucking of no. Gordon in the in the bunny suit? No. How much money? Like, no. like you know, I'm stupid and I'll pay a substantial amount. There's not enough, Julian. There's no way I want that on my body the rest of my life. <laughs> oh shit! I tried. What if you only had to keep it on your body for like five years? Eh, nope, it's not bad. That one guy, like, his friends dared him to get, a, like, breast implants, and he, like, kept them. He loved them. So, I mean, you never know. You might grow into it. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm going to say hard pass. Oh, what if, what if it was a tattoo and breast implants? <laughs> You're not sweeping the deal for me. Damn it. I just want you to have titties. Yeah. So. yeah. I know. <laughs> I've seen your, your fanfic. Oh, God. <laughs> oh god no anyway any other worst uh book or comic moments or the things from the last decade anybody else i'm trying desperately to get this back on some kind of topic <laughs> i was really uh i don't i don't know if worst is the, the best way to put it but like disappointed like yeah. i had i'm such a big joe hill fan and when the fireman came out it's nothing but this like paint by numbers post apocalyptic book and it's like a 600 page paint by numbers mm. so like by the time i got to the end like i was third of the book i'm like all right just wrap this the hell up i'm already like i'm not invested in these characters i don't care what happens just get it over with 
It's dead already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that is super disappointing. And if he's anything like uh, you know his famous dad, he can't finish a book either. Like, can't get to the ending. Uh, no, nah, I mean, because I, w- I would say pretty much everything else I've read by him has a great ending. Okay, good, so. good. Just an isolated incident. Yeah. Okay. So with, like, dicks and other, like, just asinine stuff like his dad? No, not really. Like 11-year-olds with giant dicks and, like, sewer orgies? I don't know sewer orgies yet. So. Not yet. What's that one Gerald's game where it's about the dude that goes around like raping comatose men or something? He's like a freak of nature and he's like raping dudes. And the chick thinks she like hallucinates him, but he was really there. I don't know. It's fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know that one. All right. And next topic. Well, it's on Netflix. Check it out. Dear Penthouse. <laughs> I never thought it would happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> One more quick comic shout out because uh, I didn't realize it when it happened. DC's uh, New Fifty Two, that you burn in hell. <laughs> wow. <laughs> From 2011 to 2016, when it was mercifully put out of its misery with Rebirth, uh, I'd be hard pressed to name five good comics that came out of the New Fifty Two. Uh, that whole era was dog shit. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, go fuck yourself, New Fifty Two. Well, dang. Because you're dead now. Wow. Ah. Sorry, this so happened to include the era of the James Gordon bunny suit. So. Yeah, that'll do it. All right. Okay, what's next? Let's go video games. Yeah. Mm. Do you want me to go first this time? Yes. Super Mario Maker for right. Nintendo. Oh, sorry. Uh, we're actually going all the we're actually going all the way back to 2011. What? If you take my game, I'm gonna be pissed. Uh, we're going back to 2011. Uh, probably one of one of the best, I would say, like canon video game sequels because it's hard to call like anything in like the Mario franchise like a sequel. Because they're all basically just different games. Same thing with like Legend of Zelda and even kind of like a lot of the Halo stuff. Uh, but this, because um, you know, if I wanted something where I was just talking about gameplay, it'd be Mario Maker. If I wanted something where I was just talking about story, I would go with Life is Strange. This is something that combines both of those and is a standout in pretty much every way and grew on grew on its original in every way. And anything where you have J.K. Simmons just screaming about um, exploding <laughs> lemons, I'm in. Uh, so Portal 2. Um, Fuck yeah. Absolutely amazing. And, and like all of that is included, and that doesn't even include the, the co-op, which just took a game that was already like a 10 out of 10. It was like, okay, so we're just going to bump it up to like a 13 out of 10. That's awesome. Yeah. Portal 2. Good pick. pick. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Love it. Uh, John, again, I figured as soon as like as soon as I like explained it and started talking about it, you'd be like, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, no, that's... that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. Teddy, yeah. Hey, I would walk past your room and would up portal. Okay. That, that, up portal. <laughs> Chris, have you left your room the last three days? What day is uh, it? Portal came out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good choice. 
Who's next? I'll go. Why not? Um, I originally, in the pre-2010s, bought, um, you know, went, went all in on a PlayStation for the Metal Gear series. And uh, I, I was super psyched. But it turns out that my favorite series of the PlayStation run um, started on three, moved into four. But uh, 2011's Uncharted 3 um, quickly became one of my favorite games of all time, followed by Uncharted 4. Uh, come for the Metal Gear, stay for the Uncharted is the, was, was my PlayStation motto. Uh, because as I got more and more disappointed by the Metal Gear saga, I got more and more in love with Uncharted. And, you know, Uncharted 1 and 2 uh, both were released pre-2010, so they don't qualify for this particular list for me, but uh, Uncharted 3 and Uncharted 4 both do. Just masterpiece. Both of them, in every sense of the word, just a fan and sportsing, um, just <laughs> fantastic from start to finish. Um, sure. Just incredible games. I'm sure that alert had something to do with Antonio Brown. So oh, that's yeah. he's out there, uh, he's out there beating movers again, <laughs> chucking rocks at people. Yeah, beating up his baby mama. Like a but uh, no, dude, Uncharted is one of I am. A hundred percent on board with you because just like you, uh, Metal Gear was my shit. Metal Gear Solid uh, and Metal Gear, what was it, Solid Two and Three? What Sons of the Liberty or Sons of Liberty was two? Yep, whatever it was. Uh, Snake Eater, like those were my jams. Like those were my favorite games of all time until I started playing Uncharted. Um, Uncharted One, cool. Uncharted Two, even better. Three and four were fucking masterpieces. I bawled like a fucking baby at the end of uh, four. I just like when you see like you in the mission and then you see the fucking beach house and all of a sudden you're playing as Nathan's daughter and then you see him and he's old. I'm just like, God, I'm, I'm like tearing up just thinking about it right now. Like that shit just hit me right in my feels. My cold, dead heart like sparked <laughs> alive for about 28 minutes. And I just sat there and bawled like a fucking baby in my room. Like I shut the door and grabbed a towel. Like, I don't know if it was years of like repressed rage, but I just fucking unloaded. <laughs> I just fucking bawled like a little bitch. Cause I knew that no matter what, like that was the end of the story. And I was never going to get another, uh, Nathan, Dra like a true Nathan Drake story that wasn't, you know, trying to pull blood from a stone and it was some money grab, but it, they were just phenomenal fucking games. And I loved every fucking second I wasted playing those games in my life. They were just amazing. I was so sad, and I thought he was going to die. Um, I like I thought it was going to end with the death of Nathan Drake, and that made me so sad because you know the last one, the last game is called A Thief's End, and then the last chapter of the last game is called A Thief's End, and I was just like, he's going to die. Like I, I actually put off, uh, I put off playing the last part of it because I was so sure that he was going to die, and I didn't want to, like I didn't want it to end. Um, yeah. So like, I, I like purposely did not play the last chapter for like an extra day or two. Cause I was just like, I don't want him to die. 
I don't want to be the cause of the death of Nathan Drake, so I'm just not going to play. And then I finally willed myself to do it. It turned out okay, but it was still still rough. Yeah. Well, your best friend you grew up with, and he moves away, and you're like, well, I'm probably never going to see him again. That fucking yeah. blows. It's like a video game version of Toy Story 3. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Absolutely. You know, we've talked about this before. We, we've talked about this before on the show, and I know Flanagan and I have off air, too. It's uh, it's Naughty Dog. Yeah. So, like, I, I just feel like it, it's Naughty Dog. They're Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, Uncharted, and The Last of Us. Like, that's a track record. <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of a uh, resume. Yeah. 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 And then Uncharted really kind of changed uh, gaming for it. Even, uh, like, I, you know, I just finished playing Jedi Last Order. Or Jedi Fallen Order, sorry. Uh and there's no way you can you can get to that game without Uncharted because the all the uh, platforming and puzzle stuff like that's straight from Uncharted. I mean, Uncharted didn't invent puzzles in platforming, but I would say for modern gen consoles, it perfected it. And every game that come after that is basically just standing on the shoulders of Uncharted. Yeah, they they per, they perfected the action game with platform elements, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They perfected Tomb Raider, like because <laughs> yeah. because yeah. Tomb Raider. If you if you look at the timeline, like Tomb Raider was a dying franchise. Oh, it was dead. Like it was so far gone, and then Uncharted came along, did everything that Tomb Raider wanted to do, but so much better. And then the games that immediately followed the release of Uncharted, where Tomb Raider stole a bunch of stuff from Uncharted. Yeah, like, they became actual playable good games. So uh, Tomb Raider owes its life right now to Uncharted. And for the last 10 years. That was a dead genre to Uncharted. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Uncharted, you condemned us with more Tomb Raider. Good job, (laughs) Ethan. Thanks a lot. Uh, well, apparently 2011 was just a really, really good year for games because my <laughs> favorite game also came from 2011. And this one took a little bit of searching because I don't buy a lot of games. I, I try to, to do my research before I jump in on a game because I don't want to waste 60 bucks on a you know, bullshit game. <clears throat> I have. We'll get into that later. Um, <clears throat> so it was more of, okay, of, of the good games I did play and the games I enjoyed, what did I enjoy the most, what was you know, sort of influential uh in 2011 we got i think the best game in my favorite gaming series i haven't talked about it for a hot minute on the show uh, but i used to bring it up like every episode mass effect 2 in 2011 uh took everything the first game did the incredible character development the rich deep storyline the awesome amazing universe you got to go in and explore Fixed all the shitty stuff with the first game, namely the combat and the controls, uh, and gave what I always wanted, which was a video game that combined the character building and storyline of a uh, role-playing game with the real-time combat of a third-person shooter. I hate turn-based combat, and Mass Effect does not deal with turn-based combat. It is quick, it's cover-based, it's... uh, and you get to, you know, enhance yourself and get superpowers. It's everything I ever wanted in a game. And I think Mass Effect 2 really hit the, hit knocked it out of the park. The story is great. The characters are fantastic. 
the 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 gameplay is is fun you want to keep playing it you want to you know you want to go back and replay the game and you know play a good guy play a bad guy play in between um mass effect 2 was perfect you know mass effect 3 a lot of people would shit shit on because of the ending and yeah it's not really an ending it's not really all that satisfying even though there's like six different variants you can unlock for the ending and a dlc campaign that further ends the ending um i liked andromeda Nobody else seemed to, uh, but Mass Effect 2, I think, was basically the height of Mass Effect. I don't think they ever really got better. Granted, the graphics got better, the gameplay got a little more refined each time, but Mass Effect 2 was that perfect combination of the best of everything. Uh, and I'm dying for a remastered version so I can put my PS3 out of its misery, because the only reason I have that game was for Ghostbusters, the video game, and Mass Effect 2. Uh, I forgot Ghostbusters, the video game remastered, before Mass Effect 2 Remastered, which I would have put money against that happening. But, uh, yeah, my favorite game of the decade, Mass Effect 2. Uh, can, we also, yes. can we also um, uh, start the complaining about how there's been no word at all about uh, Remastered Ghostbusters multiplayer? Oh, the lie they told us to yeah. get us to buy the game? Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Yeah. At what point? The complete fucking lie that we're going to rebuild the multiplayer? No, you're not. No, you're not. The game didn't sell that well, so no, you're not. At what point do we start using the words class action? I'm just, I just, <laughs> just want to know. I'm just asking for a friend. Am I hearing some gun media uh, comparison? Yeah. Oh. oh, we'll get to that, I'm uh. sure. <laughs> uh, Julian, best of? I had to come out of nowhere and steal fucking Mass Effect 2 for me, but that's okay, because I had a backup. Uh, okay. From about as far back as you can go, back in May of 2010, um, there was a little, I don't know, Western that came out that reinvigorated uh, my love of uh, shooting people in the face with a six-shooter and uh, whatever, like hunting bears and wait, fucking... Wait, 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 time out. Your love for shooting people in the face with a six-shooter died off at some point? I mean, there was a yeah, I time. I don't believe that about you, Julian. I think there was a time like 2004 to 2008 where I didn't watch Tombstone four times a year. Oh, so, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it was like um, the Quick and the Dead was in there a little bit, and then it just it, everything kind of faded away. I was really into like uh, Japanese chicks for a while, so I wasn't into American <laughs> westerns. So, um, <laughs> but that all being said, the stellar uh, sequel to. Uh, what was it? Red Dead Revolver. We get Red Dead Redemption, um, the tale of James Marsden and uh, his lovable band of outlaws and his scarred up face and his horror wife. And uh, just all the little antics he would get into. Uh, it's just it's it's everything I ever wanted in a video game, getting to explore the Wild West, um, getting to shoot stuff, hunt stuff, bow and arrow, scan it, fish it, um, you know, just double cross people, play cards, fucking shoot people on boats and stuff. It's just I don't know how else to explain it other than it's my favorite genre as an RPG, and I just fucking I love it. It's I haven't gotten into Red Dead Two yet because I don't I don't want to dedicate that much time to it because I do have a job and like a couple dogs that need to be fed, and I don't want them to die because I neglected them to sit and play Red Dead Two for twelve hours. So um, I mean, I can handle the piss and the shit on myself, but I just don't want other people to be affected like dogs dying. So. Um, He's gonna join the yeah, it's just, club. 
Exactly. Me and Grit. I would wear a space diaper, though, and I would at least flip the fucking cushion over. Before oh, there you go. See. But, <laughs> yeah, I look, I look considerate, douchebag. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you took Mass Effect 2, but I'll take Red Dead. I mean, it's just, it's everything I love in a video game. Um, it, it's oh, just yeah, a ton of fun. Even the DLCs, like Red Dead Nightmare and all that other shit that they did with the zombies and, you know, Sasquatch and all the other shit. Um, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just, to me, it was the perfect game at the perfect time. It reinvigorated the franchise. Obviously, um, it was one of the best games of the decade that spawned like one of the greatest sequels ever made, even though it's a sequel of a sequel. So, uh, it's just fantastic. It's fantastic storytelling and, uh, it'll always stand out as one of the greatest summers of my life when I sat and dedicated. Uh, I didn't do anything but play that game. So until Julian time. can actually get to Westworld. Yeah, it's the most fun I'll have playing as a cowboy. Yeah. Oh, God, if I ever get to Westworld, <laughs> you're not I might not leave. You're right, you're right. I probably won't. I'll be like, what's his name in season one? I'll just bang anything that moves, because it's not Gabe, it's a robot, right? I mean, <laughs> who cares? Does that go back to the Japanese stuff you were into? And never mind, never mind. Oh, yeah, then I'm going to Shogun World, yeah, so that's totally, uh, I'm all in. Yeah, dude, it's fine. <laughs> He needs a park hopper pass is what he needs. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm just moving in. Fuck uh, it. That's the question I want season three to address. Can I get a park hopper pass at Westworld? Sorry. Can I tell you uh, the one thing about Red Dead that uh like my one memory of uh yes. first Red Dead Redemption? So I played like I was like a hardcore I'm not a big fan of open world games, but uh, I was like hardcore into the first Red Dead Redemption. Played the hell out of it, right? And I get to like like I'm doing all the side missions. I'm doing like the the running around, like doing whatever. Uh, I'm doing the story missions, and I'm like, all right, you know, I, I put a ton of time into this game. It's got to be about close to wrapping up. And uh, so I'm I'm playing more story missions, and it's like you got to get over here. And I'm like, sweet, I go whatever. I get to the last, and I'm pretty sure it's the last mission. And I'm playing, and I'm like, man, this is this is great. Boom, over, right? And then it's like, oh, yeah, no, now you get to go to Mexico. And it turns out I was only like a third done with the story. <laughs> and I was just like, I was just like, fuck this. And I never played it again. Like, I stopped playing because I was so mad because I was like, I have so much time because I did like everything thinking that the story mode was going to be like done. And it turns out that it was like, it was nowhere close to being done. And so I was just like, yeah, never mind. I'm I'm done. I'm over it. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was real sad. I was only a third, like literally, I was only a third of the way through the story of the game, and I thought I was. God, you done. missed out, man. You missed so much. <sighs> yeah, I mean, whatever. I was mad. Still not over. I'm almost as mad. I get it. Uh, that like that was the only other time I've been mad, like that mad at video games is uh, when. I was playing uh, Arkham City on my Xbox 360, <laughs> and I was literally like, I was 80-something percent complete with everything, like Riddler trophies, like everything. My overall completion percentage, it was like 86 or 87 percent, and uh, my the... Uh, there was a glitch going around that would just erase your save, and that happened to me, and I was so pissed. That like, I've never played that game again since that day. Yep. Um, like I, I I turned off the Xbox. Like I saved it because I had to go to work. And I turned the Xbox off, 
And then I, I like, I checked my schedule again and I was like, shit, I have another hour. Like I have an extra hour. I read it wrong. I read tomorrow's for today. I have an extra hour. So I turned my Xbox on and it's like, no saves. Just erased it. And if you've ever played Arkham City, you know how hard it is to get a, like to get anywhere close to 100% completion. Yep. I was so mad. Oh, I've never... Like, that is the most mad I've ever been at a video game. And Red Dead Redemption was a close second. <laughs> That's all. <clears throat> That's all I had. All right, then. <laughs> uh, should we just go ahead and dogpile on gun media now? <laughs> Let's poop on their chest. I also uh, want to give an honorable fuck you to EA for Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yeah, it's, it's uh, better now, but... It well, hold, I, I want to. I'm going to join okay. in okay. on the, the gun media stuff, but I have a different terrible game I want to talk about first. Okay. Uh, hey, Flanagan. Yeah. How How'd you like Resident Evil Six? Uh, there it is. Uh, uh, I hate that <laughs> game. I didn't they, like five, but they, I hated six. And they had to do a reboot. Of course. Uh, like it was, it wasn't a horror game. It was just a straight up action game. Yeah, it was action. One. Yeah, it, it was terrible. Uh, I hated it and was so unbelievably happy when they decided to change it and redo uh, and give us Resident Evil Seven, which is not terrible and is great. Uh, Resident Evil Seven will like I have yet. I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. If you play Resident Evil 7 in VR, you will pee your pants. Yep. Like, there's literally no... My my favorite picture that I've ever seen on the internet, besides the one with the kid laughing um, that Karan knows about. Um, It's like my favorite (laughs) picture ever. My second favorite picture in the entire history of the internet is where there's a little kid with the PlayStation VR headset on. In the background, and the foreground is a hand holding the Resident Evil 7 case, and it says, I told him we were playing Mario Kart. <laughs> and it's just like, that always makes me laugh, because it's like, that kid is going to be traumatized forever, might turn into a serial killer, but will definitely poop his pants. I love everything about it. I love when kids poop their pants. I love it. It's my favorite. <laughs> it will be like the thing. If you play Resident Evil 7 in VR, it will make you poop and pee your pants like as an adult. It's terrifying. Can agree. Yeah. <clears throat> That's all I wanted to add. Um, sir. Uh, You're so right, Koran. And then our well-documented love-hate for Friday the 13th, the game. I want to love it. Uh, you want to. I want to, but they just did an update this week, as a matter of fact. And uh, <laughs> the one thing that I will I will give them, like everything else is like, what's the point? But mm-hmm. the one thing that they've changed, because, you know, they, they completely readjusted all of like the Jason abilities. Like they adjusted the time that it takes for you to get abilities and they gave him a rage boost and all this crap that like totally upsets the balance of the game. But the one thing that they've done in the new update that's actually worthwhile is in private matches, you can readjust all of that stuff. Oh, nice. Like you can adjust how long it takes him to get his powers. You can adjust the rage. You can adjust like 
just about everything. That's super worthwhile and about a year and a half too late. Yep. For the 30 people that still play that game. Okay, yeah. it's not good. It's yeah. it's it's not. I mean, it started out okay, just badly programmed, but like not horrible, but They've did every update just makes it so much worse, and they don't care about doing anything about it. And I think part of it just stems from the fact that gun media, and I will tag them in this because I feel this strongly about it. <laughs> gun media is, in my opinion, hands down, all all things considered. If you consider all parameters, like you know, communication and PR and, you know, dedication to the game and all of that. Um, I consider them the worst video game company that I've ever seen. But remember, they're a small company. Yeah, we should just be lucky that we have a game. Whatever. Um, yeah, they're, they are incredibly inept uh, at everything. Uh, they're, they're bad at business. They're bad at game programming, which is bad because they're in the video game business. So they're bad at everything. <laughs> uh, they don't know how to talk to their customers. They don't know how to listen to their customers. Uh, they don't know how to log into their social media accounts to respond to people. They don't know how to run promotions. They don't know how to actually program games. They don't know how to be honest with the people uh, when they say things. Uh, they don't know how to uh, you know, properly go from the idea stage to the final done stage when it comes to new modes. They don't know how to properly promote anything. They're just bad at everything. And that's all the more we're going to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> Any other uh, bad gaming experiences from the decade? No. Okay. No. <laughs> Uh, I do think it's hilarious that we've discovered uh, aliens, colonial marines, the big letdown. Uh, apparently the reason the AI in that game was so dumb, it's literally a typo in the code. Ha! Huh. So if you have the PC version, you can go in and change that. But <clears throat> That's dumb. You know what I wish? My, my One of my biggest disappointments uh, of the 2010s is that uh, not more companies adopted the alien isolation format. Yeah. Uh, I think that is such a huge missed opportunity that there are several properties that could have used that format and that style and like that programming. Unless did a good job with it. Yeah, that's true. But it's, it wasn't an established franchise. Yeah. So. But no, that's all right. I'm ready to take this boat home and let's do talk it. about uh, talk about talk some movies. Let's take this Jungle Cruise back to the to the dock. Watching AEW, so I made a boat joke. I like it. Yeah, I'm a fan. Well, I, I have gone first, second, and third, so I'll go last for movies. I, I haven't gone first yet. I'll 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 do this one. Uh, uh, favorite movie of the last uh, ten years is actually my favorite movie of like the last 
20 years, 25 years, almost 30 years. Uh, it's, I love everything about it. I've got absolutely nothing bad to say about it at all. And uh, that is Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, I love everything about it. It's my favorite superhero and my favorite superhero movie of all time. Uh, it's just start to finish. It is perfect, in my opinion. You're talking about the, you're talking about the one that came out last year? Yeah. Yeah, the Jake yeah, Gyllenhaal Mysterio. Uh, just, just unbelievably good the entire time. Uh, I like I watched that movie with a smile on my face the entire runtime. It is just amazing. Really good. Love everything about it. I got nothing bad to say about any of it. I love everything after the heel turn. The heel, like, and it's it's funny because like you see it coming, like you know the heel turn's coming, and it happens, and you yeah. still love it. <clears throat> yeah, no, it was they handled that character very well. Uh, so when I was coming up with this, I was trying to think of <clears throat> best of the decade. Okay, what does that mean? <clears throat> and for me, it was not so much. My favorite movie of the decade, but looking back at 2010 to 2019, what movie <clears throat> defined that de- uh, decade? What movie sort of changed the course of how movies were done? And for me, even though it's not my personal favorite, I still think this is maybe the most important movie of the decade. Uh, 2012 Avengers. It was the movie that proved the whole connected universe thing can work. And it completely set the stage for not only the MCU, but literally it became the business model for every production company. Everyone now had to have their connected universe. We've gotten into how that succeeded and mostly failed. Uh, but I think that's the one movie that really set the tone for the entire rest of the decade was Avengers. Uh, even though the MCU started before this decade did uh, the first most epic team-up movie, 2012, the first Avengers, uh, where everything came together and we had, you know, our minds were blown by how amazing it was. And God, little did we know what was coming. Uh, I think that's probably the most influential movie of the decade. I, I can see that. I would. I would agree with that. Julian, play into my strengths and what I know, and the theme of everything I've talked about tonight. So, when I looked at the last decade, I basically looked at the best westerns <laughs> that were made, um, and because this really feels like in the past ten years, it's we've got we've got like the best core amount of like western themed movies that we've had since the 60s and 70s uh, yeah, with, yeah. yeah with a few spatterings you know in between but the 90s had a few but i really think like 2010 to 2019 was probably the, one of the best you know decades for westerns um and obviously i love movies like Django Unchained and True Grit and Hateful Eight and even Rango Rango is the fucking awesome western for me yeah. a fucking animated movie about a chameleon with fucking Johnny Depp. Like, that movie's fantastic. Um, but my pick, Mad Max Fury Road, which I do love that movie, and I've watched it plenty of times, but the movie that really stands out to me that I was surprised 
most by and that I find myself going back to watch almost as much as the Lincoln Lawyer would be Hell or High Water. Like, there's just... Yeah. I can't say anything bad about that movie except that Kurt Russell isn't in it. Um, it's just a fantastic <laughs> character arc. It's, it's a fantastic uh, foil between two brothers, one who's well-intentioned, the other one's just a fucking dirtbag. And, you know, the things they go through to save the family farm and to ensure that they're uh, the kids of one guy has a future... It's just, and then the Texas Rangers that are trying to bring them in. It's just, it's a fantastic story from start to finish. There's, there's humor, there's action, there's intrigue. There's, it's a thriller. Like it's just everything about it is fantastic. There's no uh, wasted time on screen. Like everything is setting up the next scene. The the atmosphere is perfect. The cinematography is fantastic. You get to see this awesome view of like small town Texas. And it's just, it literally is a modern day Western. And I just, I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, I know I've mentioned it on here before, but I, every time I get a chance, I, I try and sit down and watch a little bit of it because it's just Chris Pine is phenomenal. Um, and then the other dude who played Archangel, I can never remember his name. Ben but Foster. He's, yeah, Ben Foster is fantastic in everything he does. Um, he was he didn't even have a speaking role in a Chris Stapleton music video, but he was fantastic. It was just, again, the only bad thing is it's Jeff Bridges and not Kurt Russell, but Jeff Bridges is Jeff Bridges. I mean, he's amazing. So, he talks in that weird guttural tone that you can't really understand what he's saying, but it's you kind of get it through context clues, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, he's playing Rooster Cogburn so. again, just uh, without the eye patch. Rooster Cogburn, and then uh, the dude from Seventh Son of the Seventh Son, and then yep. there was like one other movie he did all around R. the R. same PD. time. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, all he did was he was just drunk for like two years straight. And these are the characters we got. They were literally good all the him. same person. Yeah, it's uh, good so work do, if you can get it. So we do have to institute yeah. the uh, the new house rule. We're going to take a page out of Joe Bob's book. Uh, every movie, automatic half-star deduction if it does not have Kurt Russell. I'm 100% that's in agreement. Rule, and if it doesn't but, I mean, have Jeff Kurt Bridges. Russell or boobs, that's a full-star deduction. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Peacock, does, does I mean, this mean you're telling me that Blade 2 now has a half-star deduction? Play two transcends all, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for talking, Bridges best, is the only guy. He's the only guy that can play the same character in every movie, but they still feel different. So um, yep. I'll give you no, that. no, that's not a complaint. He plays that character very yeah. well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for recommending that to me, by the way, Julian. You are very welcome. I watched that just because you said I was like, "Well, Julian left it. I'll give it a watch," and then I was like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" Where the fuck was this movie hiding? Yeah. So, so if we're talking best movies, I have to talk about something um, that I have probably watched multiple times a year uh, for the past several years. Um, And I remember when I first heard about it, I was adamantly against the movie. I thought the premise sounded stupid. I thought everything about it sounded idiotic, and I did not think there was a single way this movie would work is now something I describe as one of the greatest horror films ever made. Uh, and I think it's kind of uh, surpassed Dawn of the Dead as one of my favorite remakes, reboots, whatever you want to call it. Uh, 2013's The Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, What's your trademark phrase, Karan? Better than it had any right to be. When, when, I, when I started reading about it, 
and you're hearing this group of friends take their takes their friend up to detox uh, from heroin, and you don't know whether they don't know whether what's happening is real or whether it's all just her going through uh, withdrawals. I was just like, this sounds fucking stupid. I, I don't want any part of it. I don't want. I just didn't want to hear about it. And my friends started to see it, and just started to hear like. You know, holy crap, this is great. Holy crap, this is great. So when I finally got around to seeing it, I was like, all right, let's do this. We're going to sit down. We're going to see if this movie's living up to the hype. Yeah, it, it really does. Um, and it, it takes a lot for me to put uh, for me to put anything in the same like way I would speak of like The Thing or Halloween. But I think like it belongs on that tier of horror movies. Um, it's there's just not a better, like I gun to my head. I can't think of a better horror movie that's come out in the past 10 years. Gun to my head. Like, I don't know if I trick or treat was probably the best one from the two thousands, um, from like the aughts and like, and y'all know how I feel about trick or treat. I, I, I think this is better. Wow. Uh, mm. <laughs> I, mean, I, I and don't get me wrong yeah. when I say this, I, and don't get me wrong when I'm saying this, like, you know, Evil Dead, if Evil Dead is three on my top horror list of all time, Trigger Treat is four. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it beats it by that much. No, but... I, I totally agree. It's, it's that for, you know, your, your trademark phrase, better than it had any right to be. No one thought remaking Evil Dead was a good idea. Even the director of this remake, when uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell approached him, was like, why do you guys want to remake Evil Dead? Uh, but it's a beautiful remake because it avoids all the pitfalls of normal remakes. Trying to just rehash what the first movie did. It, it's new characters. It's same, old, same old setting. Same old premise. Different characters. We're not trying to come up with a new Ash. Uh, which is one of the things I like about the movie is it keeps teasing that it's going to and then it doesn't quite. Um, and it also, the movie totally works as a spinoff of Evil Dead. Uh, you could easily say that this takes place at some point in the timeline of the original Evil Dead stuff because it doesn't negate anything because it doesn't have Ash in it. Uh, it's, it's what the original Evil Dead wanted to be, which is just a balls-to-the-wall horror movie because once the horror starts, like it does not let up. Uh, fantastic makeup effects and gore effects. It doesn't rely on the gore, but it's Evil Dead. If you don't see buckets of blood, was it really Evil Dead? Uh, anyone, who, <laughs> good. Anyone who says they didn't cringe when the guy has to pull the needle out of his cheek, like yeah, it, <sighs> <sighs> yeah. Uh, fantastic, fantastic movie. I'm. I'm surprised still and, and saddened that we didn't follow that up with anything. Then there was talk of doing a sequel to that. There was talk of merging that with the original timeline and none of that has come to fruition, sadly. TV well, show, so. We did, uh, but I don't think the TV show ever addressed anything with I really wanted to see this corner of the universe expand a bit. Yeah, I agree. Alright, let's, uh, let's end this with some anger. 
Rubble, rubble, rubble. This, this is hard, dude. There's Flame. a lot of bad movies. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Flaming, what you got? Uh, my, my pick for worst movie of the last 10 years. Um, I'm, we'll, we'll go quick. I'll only say one word. Ghostbusters. Next. Fair. Uh, Peacock. <laughs> Can I have a tie? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, why okay. not? So I had one picked, and then I was doing some more research, and I came across another one. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's good too." And I, I, they're both terrible. I can't pick which is worse. Honestly, I can't. Um, one is just disappointing as hell. Uh, the Last Airbender, the complete desecration of an amazing story in an anime uh, to that garbage pile of a movie, and the other is only watchable in in that. We like watching car wrecks. Like I know it's terrible, but I can't look away. And that is Fant Forstick. I will not call it by its real name. Fant Forstick. I can't decide which is worse, but those are my picks for worst of the decade. Those are pretty. So bad. I didn't even. I didn't even watch it. That's how bad it was. Those are kind of shite. Uh, Julian. I was kind of perusing through, and then I don't know. I don't get to talk about it a lot, but I just hate Justin Long. I think he's a douchebag. Um, other than like Drag Me to Hell and uh, what is it, uh, Fatty McGee and What's Your Nuts Make a Porno? Um, he's terrible. Zach like everything Mary. he does, is Zach and Mary. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everything Justin Long does is dog shit. Um, and I was super excited for Tusk. Because it was a Kevin Smith horror movie, and it, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be awesome!" And then, and then it was just absolute fucking garbage. And I just, I, I don't, I didn't pay to watch it. I just watched it on like Netflix or something, and I, I still wanted my money back. Like, I'm still pissed that I wasted, you know, an hour and a half watching that hollow, that fucking hot steamy turd. So Tusk was the worst movie I watched in the last decade. Um, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, but uh. My, my worst, Flanny, and you can probably say it with me, Jeepers Creepers 3. Uh, the worst part about that is you saw that in theaters. I did. Yeah. I sure fucking did. Uh. Um, like, and you know, last week we were talking about worst movies of the year, and I used Jeepers Creepers 3 levels of bad to describe the dead don't die. Um, j- there was just nothing redeeming about it. There was nothing... Good. There was not even anything original, and they complete like the useless ripoff of the Saw franchise was probably the most baffling part about it. With the whole fucking like the creepers jeep, her truck is now a uh, now basically full of saw traps. It was unoriginal, bad, and basically just done to keep the rights and uh, fuck you, Victor Salva. Yeah, you're a trash person. Urban human. You, if you were like seven. What? <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> uh, uh, on that note, we're going to wrap this up by saying, do not forget to come out and see us. And everybody else, uh, you know, Butch Patrick, the Monsters Escape Room, um, 
the Walking Dead people that are going to be there. There's, I think, three or four of them, so there's too many for me to remember. Um, you know, there's going to be all kinds of fun stuff, some vendors. I, I have it on good word that the bootleg guy is going to be there. Yes! So there will be a, there will more than likely be... Uh, I will bring my cash. A bootleg movie, uh, which means that everybody's getting a copy of Clown House. Uh, <sighs> just money if you want to waste it. Just... Off of historic downtown Bowling Green, exit 28, off of I-65 at the National Corvette Museum. It is Vet City Con. 12 to 8 tickets are still available. It's going to be a hell of a good time. We're going to have a live show with – you never know what's going to happen on the live show. Um, we're going we're gonna to have some fun stuff. It's going to be – like there, there's nothing quite like – a talk nerdy to me live podcast. You might think that you know what they're like. They are. You, you have no idea. It's going to be insane. We're going to be there. It's going to be awesome with our dear friend, uh, Tony Rose. As he might street fight Butch Patrick. I don't know. Uh, over. It's the Tahiti. Five yeah, it's the Tahiti village street fight. Um, <laughs> it's the Tahiti village timeshare street fight. Uh, it's going to be crazy, but uh, come see us. We're going to be doing a live show, twelve to one Central Time. Will be your uh, will be the podcast live show. So uh, you can watch us on Facebook, or better yet, just be there live and listen to us in person. We've got some swag to give away. It's going to be a hell of a good time. So with that, we say, I believe. Oh yeah, we say uh, we say screw you, you disgusting pedophile. And good night.